0: You know, it's hard for me to believe that it's been 12 weeks since we last gathered together as a church family. And a lot has happened in our world since we last gathered. And as we are making plans to get together next Sunday, I want you to know that I am extremely excited and I'm also slightly cautious. The reason I'm excited is because by the grace of God, next week I am not going to be preaching into a camera lens I'm actually going to be able to see your faces I'm going to be able to see who is paying attention and who is actually going to sleep during my messages but you know it's been a long time since we've been together and I'm really looking forward to being able to finally get together and gather as a church body but I also want you to know that I am slightly cautious because as I said before a lot has happened in our world Gathering together is not as simple as it used to be because of COVID-19 And right now our society seems to be more divided over issues and being torn apart More than before COVID-19 not just because of COVID-19 but because of other social and economic issues that are dividing us And the thing that makes me slightly cautious is that as I see this happening in the world if we are not Careful that could manifest itself in our church body That is if we fail to walk in the mind of Christ and you know because I know Many of you and because we've been able to have Conversations I am aware that even within our church. We do not all view this pandemic the same way Now, we are unanimous when it comes to being concerned about those who have contracted the virus and those who have lost loved ones. We are all united in that. But when it comes to how we interact with one another going forward and how we deal with these issues, we have varied opinions. For example, on one hand, there is a group of us who believes that this pandemic has been blown out of proportion now this group would not say that the virus isn't real but they believe that the way that it has been handled has been bigger than it should have been the government has made it bigger than it should have been and that the government has actually overstepped its bounds in the way that it has forced us to to have extreme measures put upon us and when it comes to the stay-at-home sheltering and wearing masks and physical distancing There are some who would say that science and data don't support the measures that have been taken thus far and that the government is just flexing their control over us. And, you know, the the truth is they can point to doctors, they can point to physicists, they can point to experts who appear to be knowledgeable in what they're talking about. And, you know, we have brothers and sisters who love Jesus in our midst who have this view. Now, on the other hand, we have another group who would say, you know what, actually, this has not been blown out of proportion. Coronavirus is a real thing, and we should continue practicing sheltering and wearing masks and physical distancing. And the government, some people would say, actually hasn't done enough. More needs to be done to protect those who are weak and this group of people can also point to doctors and physicists and experts who appear knowledgeable about what they're talking about and it's it's important to understand that we have people who love Jesus who love God who actually are in our midst who have this view also and then the, there is a third group who is kind of in the middle they can see both sides and you know what these people also love the Lord And the point I'm trying to make here is that we can have strong convictions. We can be very passionate about the positions that we hold for various reasons. And as we're going to see in our passage this morning, the Word of God actually allows us to do that. It's okay to have convictions. It's okay to be passionate about things as long as it does not create divisions within the body of Christ. And one of the questions that I hope to answer this morning is this, can a diverse church where believers have differing views and convictions truly love one another and avoid becoming divided? And the Apostle Paul wrote Romans chapter 14 to instruct the church on how to preserve unity in a congregation when there are differing views and convictions. And so I hope, by the grace of God, that this will be a very practical message for our church family. And if you're familiar with the book of Romans, you know that all throughout this letter, Paul is preaching the gospel to us. And in chapters 12 and 13, he tells us we need to give everything we are to Christ because of what Christ has done for us. We need to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to Jesus, to lay our lives down for Jesus, and then to love one another as Christ has loved us. And so with that thought in mind, I want to begin in our passage, Romans chapter 14, and we're going to begin with verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats nothing only vegetables and you know right off the bat in verse 1 paul instructs those who are strong in faith to welcome those who are weak in faith and i think it's important for us to understand what does it mean to be weak in faith well the first thing you need to understand is that someone who is weak in faith is really a true believer in christ they are a brother and sister who has fully put their faith in christ they are not trusting in anything or anyone but jesus for salvation this is a person who knows and loves and trusts in God but they are considered to be weak however because they believe that either certain activities are wrong when they're not or they believe that you should live or worship in a certain way even when God hasn't required it and in this passage Specifically, what Paul is dealing with are believers who were arguing over whether you could eat meat, or if you just had to eat vegetables, or if you could drink wine, and also they were arguing over holy days, whether you had to observe certain days in a, in a certain way. And it's important to understand that back in the day, when when this letter was being written, the meat that was in the meat market was often sacrificed to idols. And some of these believers apparently couldn't bring themselves to eat something that had been sacrificed to a pagan god. When they saw that food, to them it was what they felt was unclean. And you know, to be honest with you, if I were to go into Ingalls or if I were to go into Publix or Aldi or or somewhere that sells meat, and I saw a sign that said, proudly sacrificed to demons in Asheville, To be honest with you, I would have a very difficult time purchasing that meat because of the way I feel. Now, I want to be clear here, and this is where we need to understand what's going on here. It's the way I feel about it. It's not because Scripture teaches that if I ate that, it would be sin. As a matter of fact, it teaches the contrary. In 1 Corinthians 10.25, Paul says this, Eat whatever is sold in the meat market. Without raising any question on the ground of conscience for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof then in verse 14 of our chapter today of chapter 14 of Romans he says I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself so what Paul is teaching here is if you're in the meat market And you see some meat and it's been sacrificed to idols and your conscience doesn't bother you go ahead and purchase it and praise God for it but if your conscience bothers you don't purchase it and you know what to be honest with you as I said earlier if I saw meat that was sacrificed to idols or to demons I would have a hard time purchasing it but it would just mean that my faith is weak in that area and so Paul, what he's teaching in this passage, he's teaching the stronger, those who are more mature in their faith to welcome those who are weak, not so that you can argue with them, not so so that you can change their view, but to love them. And it's important, again, to understand that someone who is weak in their faith is just someone who is a little bit more strict in an area than they have to be. It doesn't mean that they don't love the Lord. It doesn't mean that they don't have faith in Jesus. It just means that they're Christian liberties are restricted and when we look at Christian liberties basically these are activities or freedoms that a disciple of Jesus is allowed to either participate in or refrain from participating in as long as they meet two requirements and we need to understand what those two requirements are number one it has to be an activity that is not express expressly forbidden or commanded In scripture in other words it is not the freedom to just go and sin and do whatever your flesh desires Paul deals with that in Romans chapter 6 he says should we go on sinning no by no means so if someone says that you know I'm free to do whatever I want I can be sexually promiscuous that is clearly not a a Christian freedom and it's also we don't have the freedom to add to or take away from what the gospel teaches secondly a Christian liberty is a Christian liberty as long as it doesn't cause another brother or sister in Christ to stumble or to be offended. And we will talk a little bit more about that later in the passage. But just to be clear, Paul is not saying that someone who has Christian liberties can teach false doctrines. And he's also not saying that they can live any way that they want to. They are not, they're not free to live a sinful life lifestyle but we do need to understand that Christian liberties are areas that we may or may not agree with one another for example what kind of food are we allowed to eat what kind of movies can you go to are tattoos wrong in and of themselves when it comes to dressing the the scripture says to dress modestly well what does that mean if you're wearing a skirt how long does it have to be or how short can it be what kind of music are we allowed listen to does it have to only be Christian music or can we listen to other styles of music can we dance can we drink alcohol can we use tobacco and when it comes to the coronavirus should we wear masks even though the government doesn't require us to should we social distance those types of things should we participate in Halloween or are we allowed to celebrate certain holidays like Christmas, even though the Christmas tree has pagan origins, as some would say. Should we call the celebration of Jesus' resurrection? Should we call it what the world calls it, Easter after the God of Ishtar? Or should we call it something like Resurrection Sunday? Now, these are just a small list of areas that Christians don't agree on but the truth is we should be able to as true believers disagree in these areas and still have Christian unity and fellowship and the truth is whether we realize it or not we all are weak in faith in in different areas and there's two that I'm gonna share that I'm weak in in my own life and number one is the area of the Bible there's something in me that when I see something laying on top of the Bible it bothers me so if someone puts a coffee cup or puts a piece of paper or puts another book on top of it unless it's a Bible it bothers me why because I believe that we need to honor the Word of God but let me tell you why I know that I'm weak in this area and you know what to be honest with you I hesitated on sharing this because I know that probably this coming Sunday Someone is gonna take a Bible and stack a bunch of stuff on top of it. But let me tell you why I know that this is not an area for me to go to war in. Because number one, the Word of God does not teach to not put an object on top of the Word of God. Therefore, because I know that, I don't enforce that. I don't, except maybe with my own children, but I don't enforce that with anybody else, that that be your conviction. And actually my children laugh at me because I have that conviction. Secondly, there is a conviction that, I, that I've had as I've raised my family, as I've raised my children. And when I was young as a parent, I remember seeing the, the scripture that says, Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. That's Proverbs 22.6. And from this verse and other verses like that, I, I came up with plans and formed convictions of, as to how I should raise my family and you know that's nothing wrong with that part all of us if you're raising children you should have a plan you should have biblical convictions that mold the way that you raise your children the place that I went wrong as a young parent was I felt like that if you weren't doing it the way I was doing it it bothered me and it made me wonder huh I wonder if they're really following the Lord I wonder if they're really honoring the Lord and you know what that Is a sign of weak faith but it is one of those areas that I felt like I needed to impose my specific practices of a commandment in the way that I was doing it on everybody else which proved to be an area where I was weak in faith and so as we are having convictions we need to be able to discern whether they are convictions that are clearly taught in the Word of God or if we are unnecessarily imposing our personal views and preferences and practices on others now in verse three we read let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for god has welcomed him who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another it is before his own master that he stands or falls and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So, according to verses 3 and 5, there are two temptations that we need to be aware of. The weaker brother or sister needs to be aware that you might have the temptation to judge someone who isn't doing things the way you do them. And you might be asking why aren't you convicted like I am about this issue? Are you sure that you love the Lord? That is a, te- a temptation for, for someone who is weaker in the faith to judge their brother or sister who is not doing what they're doing. But those who are stronger or, ma- or more mature, they might have the temptation to despise the brother who was weaker in faith. They would think, say things like, why can't you see the chains that are on you? Don't you know the freedom that you could live in if you could just see it the way that I see it? And you're not only bound by these chains, you're trying to bind me with them. Stay away from me, I despise you. Now we wouldn't quite say it that way, but that's what we're doing when we see someone and we, and we see them, more strict in an area that they don't have to be. And, you know, what we all need to keep in mind in this matter is that Jesus, Jesus, he is the master of us all. We are brothers and sisters. We are his servants. And it is Jesus who is the one who will make us all stand. In verse six, Paul continues by saying, the one who observes the day observes it Christ died and lived again, that He might be the Lord of both the dead and of the living. Again, Jesus is the master. Jesus is the Lord. And right here, Paul is getting to the heart of the matter. He's getting to motives. Why do we do what we do? And according to this passage, it should be in order to honor the Lord. First Corinthians 10:31 says, "So whether you eat or drink, Or whatever you do do all to the glory of God in other words if you engage in something or if you abstain from it you need to be fully convinced in your mind why you are doing it and you need to do it to bring glory to God verse 10 Paul continues and says why do you pass judgment on your brother or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You know, this is a pretty sobering passage. We all are gonna stand before the Lord and give an account of our convictions the way that we lived our lives if we loved our brothers and sisters if we encouraged them or or, or if we caused them to stumble and we need to realize that the Holy Spirit does not need us to be another Barney Fife we all know the child who is who appears to be concerned about their brother or sister about whether or not What they're doing is right or wrong. I don't know how many times I have been raising my children. I've been in the room. One of our children is doing something and a brother or sister tries to step in and get involved with whether or not that child is doing the right thing. And I'm like, hey, don't worry about it. I see it. I'm right here. And so Paul is saying, don't get wrapped around the axle over these issues. If it's a Christian liberty, look, don't try to change this person's view if they are the weaker in faith don't try to change it unless it is forbidden or commanded in scripture let them have their view realizing that they are doing what they're doing to honor god And we also, like I said before, we need to remember that we're all going to stand before the Lord and give an account for the way that we lived our lives. And so we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and that we are allowing God to take care of our brother or our sister in areas that are clearly areas of Christian liberty. And in verse 13, Paul says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. Now I want to be clear here that Paul is not teaching moral relativism here. He's not saying that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. What he's saying is, you got to be careful that you don't violate your conscience. If your conscience tells you that something is wrong, then you need to listen to your conscience and don't violate it by doing that very thing which your conscience is not allowing you to do. And if because if you do, this is what the scripture calls stumbling. You will actually be doing something that is sinful. And we also have to be careful, as I said before, that we don't try to encourage people Who are weaker in an area to do what we're free to do because in doing so we might cause them to stumble and according to the scripture that is not love another thing about the conscience that we need to understand is that the conscience can take something that is clean and make it unclean but it cannot take something that is unclean and make it clean in other words just because your conscience isn't bothered by something that is sinful, it doesn't mean it's okay to do it just because you think that you feel okay with leaving your spouse and committing adultery that doesn't make it okay so again the conscience can make clean things unclean but it can't make unclean things clean and so we we need to make sure that we don't violate our consciences or tempt our brothers or sisters to do the same Verse 15 says, For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ, Is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So, what Paul is basically saying here is not to allow your Christian liberties to destroy your brother or your sister. We need to pursue peace and whatever that is that builds one another up in love and so to go back to the beginning of my message with the question that i asked can a diverse church where believers have differing views and convictions truly love one another and avoid becoming divided i believe according to this passage the answer is yes but you know which view right now which view is the right view who in our situation with corona which one of us is the weak one And which one of us is the strong one? Which one has the right view? Well, let me just say this, that it might be that scientifically and statistically speaking, your data or your data is right. You may have the right view, but according to scripture, if you do not love, if you do not walk in the mind of Christ, it doesn't matter how right you are. If you don't love, then You are wrong let me show you who is the right one in this situation the right one the one who is right is the one who loves and welcomes their brother or sister even when they hold convictions that are contrary to theirs who are the strong the ones who are strong are those who love their neighbors even when they don't agree and you know that takes maturity that requires us to die to our preferences and to our freedoms and as we're seeking to maintain unity in the midst of diversity I have three ways that I want to share that we can build one one another up the first is we need to walk in humility we need to make sure that we are walking in humility and we need to be humble enough to live according to our convictions I want to encourage you do not violate your conscience right now for example if you don't feel comfortable joining with the rest of the congregation next Sunday I want to encourage you do not violate your your conscience join us online you will be missed but I want to encourage you to join us online that's the same thing when we gather if you feel like you need to wear a mask wear it also if someone is getting too close to you Just in love, make sure that they understand your position. Another thing as we walk in humility is that we need to realize that we don't know everything. One thing I've learned over the past three months is that we don't know much about what we're doing. It keeps changing back and forth, so we need to be careful that we're not too dogmatic with our views. We could be wrong, and so instead of being very dogmatic, we need to be careful that we don't judge and despise one another. But rather, we need to seek to understand one another. That is another sign of maturity in Christ. Secondly, we need to remember that Jesus died for and welcomed us. Now for me, I know I have forgotten that. And you know how is when I begin to despise someone or to judge them. I have forgotten that Jesus died for me and that he has welcomed me because Jesus though he could have judged me though he could have despised me he didn't but rather he put aside his preferences and his freedoms and he laid down his life for me and now he welcomes me and he welcomes you into his kingdom so we need to be reminded of what we have been welcomed into by Jesus and after doing that, that should motivate us to die for and to welcome one another. We need to lay down our preferences when we can. And you may say, well, how can I do that? Well, what if you knew, if you're, if you're one of these people that would say, you know, I don't, I don't wanna wear a mask. Well, what if you knew that wearing a mask actually says to another brother or sister that you love them? Would you be willing to lay down your preferences and wear a mask i hope that you will consider doing that or maybe you're some you are someone that believes that we need to wear masks and you see somebody at our gathering that's not wearing a mask i want to encourage you to realize that it doesn't mean necessarily that they don't love you and you might need to be the one who who dies and to love them by allowing your brother or sister to walk in freedom just be sure to keep them at a distance So what we're talking about is walking in the mind of Christ and at the end of the day I know that we all desire to walk in love and unity and so if we will all seek to build one another up just as Christ has built us up I know that we will preserve the unity of Christ in our body amen amen now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our lord jesus the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant may he equip you this week with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through jesus christ to whom be glory forever and ever and all god's people said amen